The connection between digital transformation and customer experience. And I'm so thrilled today to welcome Todd Unker, the Chief Experience Officer at the American Medical Association. Todd, please tell us about the American Medical Association and your role. The American Medical Association, the AMA, which I'll call it from now on, is a mission-based organization uh, to promote medicine uh, and public health. And we do that by being a very powerful ally to physicians. We speak with them with a unified voice. Uh, we remove the obstacles they get between them and their patients. Uh, we're taking a leading role in addressing the chronic care epidemics that are affecting this country, and we're driving the future of medicine. So your members then are primarily physicians, is that correct? Medical students, uh, residents, and physicians, yes. And as Chief Experience Officer, tell us about your role. My role when I first started here a couple of years ago was primarily focused on uh, accelerating our membership growth and retention and increasing engagement with our audience. Uh, and subsequently has uh, uh, brand strategy and marketing uh, has folded into that. Uh, I think of experience as being uh, a pretty broad platform uh, that does encompass pretty much how we are engaging with physicians, uh, residents, and students on the topics that mean the most to them. Why experience? Why is that so important? I think it's a, a broader uh, conceptualization of marketing. In fact, if you there's a big HBR article that I just saw this week that said uh, CX is the is the new marketing and really experience is the thing I think that encompasses uh, product, uh, technology and marketing because they really have in this environment come, come all together and you've really got to be uh, looking at all three of those things uh, as the total experience that uh, your consumers or your members in our case have with you. You were brought on board in order to increase membership and apparently you must have done that pretty darn well. Tell us what's happened in the last 20 months. Yeah, I came from the uh, not very closely uh, related world of horse racing uh, in my past uh, life, but I've been in digital media and marketing before that for a long time. And uh, the explicit desire here was to have somebody come in uh, and really help the organization get up to speed uh, on the digital front because it is so closely connected these days with uh, engaging with our audience and uh, uh, accelerating membership. So Todd, the notion of digital transformation and membership, explain to us how these pieces fit together. You know, I don't start anything that I do with, uh, I'll call them digital blinders on. Uh, the, the first thing is to figure out what the job that you're trying to get done is. Uh, inevitably, of course, these days, if you're trying to meet uh, people where they are, that does involve uh, digital platforms. Uh, we are, in essence, like any other subscription business in that we have something that we're trying to get people to belong to. And if you're going to communicate with people and build a subscription business, uh, you do need to have uh, that platform in place. I, I, I think, like, basically today, uh, most uh, organizations or you know businesses, they have to act in three ways. They've got to have the consumer product focus of a company like Procter & Gamble. Uh, they need to have the publishing experience and content management experience of a New York Times uh, or Washington Post. And they need to have the data and analytics platform and skill set of like an Amazon. 
And that's, uh, that's a tough organization to build these days. But if you're going to succeed uh, in creating a member experience and uh, uh, really interacting with people, you've got to be able to do all three things. Is it accurate to say that digital transformation or customer experience, and maybe we should also distinguish between those two as we, as we talk here, uh, must involve the product, media, and data? All of the above, yes. Uh, and I think, you know, digital transformation is like a bizarre and scary term. And, uh, you know, I, I don't walk in the door saying, we need to have a digital transformation, because that is really kind of meaningless to people. And uh, a lot of times I would say it's better to kind of think about that in retrospect after you've gotten something done. Um, but, you know, the digital platform is essential in helping you achieve your business objectives. And that's really what it boils down to. We have a question from Twitter and Sal Rasa asks, how do you see the long-term care in the realm of transformation and integrating change from the customer's experience, which I guess is the, the patient experience in this case? You know, even though my, uh, my purview here is mostly communicating between us and physicians, ultimately I'm there to help them uh, in what they care the most about, which is patient care. I mean, there is no aspect of healthcare right now that is not being transformed uh, digitally. Uh, one of the most exciting places, uh, and I think it probably has more relevance on the long-term care side, is remote patient monitoring. Uh, because you'll look around at most, uh, excuse me, most systems and they're, they're equipping themselves to have people, you know, not come to the hospital, not come into the office, but to provide people with uh, uh, the technology to be able to uh, do what they need to do from home and to be able to communicate with them from a remote, uh, from remote place and have their progress monitored. If we come back to the AMA, so you doubled the growth rate of the, of the membership in, in the first 20 months that you were there. How did you do that? It was an exciting uh, couple of years. And it was one of those things where it's not just one thing. Uh, it's a lot of things, you know, for anyone that's in uh, marketing or product development or anything in the, in the digital world understands. There are a lot of levers, um, but there is a framework that I've seen repeat, I'd say, over the course of my career uh, at any of the businesses that I've worked on, uh, even though the context might be different, that the work is essentially still the same. And it really all starts with really understanding who your target audience is, and that's first and foremost I think a thing that, especially in the digital world and era of digital transformation and the digital heroes, you know, it's always been a very product first uh, uh, era, uh, which I, you know, hearken back to my days at Procter & Gamble or at Leo Burnett in advertising. And I know it's first, always start and understand your target audience. And everything kind of flows from that, including uh, what your value proposition is. And the understanding that we, even among physicians, they're not, they're not a uniform group. They care about different things. They're interested in different topics. Uh, and that kind of segmentation and really understand who we're trying to talk to and what value we can bring to the table is the first thing. That precedes technology, digital investment, all of that kind of stuff. Um, once that's in place and you find a way to actually express that value proposition in, in language uh, well-suited to the digital world uh, that we're in right now, then you start to build out the infrastructure. Uh, and we had a lot to do to kind of bring our, I'd say, kind of subscription uh, uh, digital infrastructure up to speed. 
we hadn't really done a lot of digital marketing in the past before I arrived. There was, of course, email marketing, but that kind of experience flow uh, when you begin to do digital advertising and understanding how it's set up and how the metrics uh, uh, come out of it, uh, something we had to build. And once that was in place, we could really start to focus at a higher level in the funnel and uh, put, put the emphasis on building audience. Uh, and for us, you know, we're not trying to be the New York Times or Washington Post in terms of you know, attracting tens of millions of people. We have a very specific uh, audience out there. And so uh, for us, it's how do we engage with more of them more frequently? What did you do differently than the AMA had done previously? Well, there were some kind of strategic, I'll say, you know, starting with the target audience. When we looked at uh, physicians, I would say the initial paradigm was more around career stage or life stage. And sometimes that works. So if you're a student or a resident, you're in a very specific uh, place in your medical training and a specific kind of uh, facility, you know, uh, institution. Uh, and that's, that makes sense, but out in the, in the world where you're talking to physicians is where that segmentation started to break down. And uh, for us, uh, you know, we can look at, our tar- uh, look at our audiences and know the types of uh, content they're in- interacting around and then begin to kind of personalize a, an experience around that. So, for instance, there is a large segment of our audience uh, that's interested in advocacy. And we need to treat them like that's a, a, a topic they really can't, uh, you know, they can't get enough of and to figure out, you know, what is the offering uh, to folks in that target audience and how should we talk to and correspond with them. Um, that requires a very different way of approaching uh, our communications, um, which I would say if you looked at our website a couple of years ago, it would have been more in line with a traditional association site. Uh, so even though we had news and it was updating, it was not kind of put together in what I would call a unified approach that uh, can be powered through content and content marketing and then uh, also be well-tuned toward engagement and conversion on the other end. And so that rebuilding process started uh, about a year ago. We finished and launched the new site uh, back in November along with a mobile application uh, with the same uh, underlying content. Uh, and we have you know, approached... Uh, you know, 80% growth in terms of the unique audience uh, uh, at the site level. And that is translating into more members through digital channels. So your first task was then to really go out, I'm assuming, and speak with your members to find out what they care about, what matters to them. It was, and believe me, they're not shy about telling me that. And I actually had people uh, reach out to me before I even started. And I actually learned a lot through uh, one of those episodes where somebody did reach out and say, hey, I, you know, I don't, uh, I don't, I'm not a member of the AMA and I don't feel like you represent us. And so I actually went and, and spoke with him. And, you know, what I learned was the thing that then kept repeating over and over in every interaction that I would have subsequently, which is there are a lot of folks out there that don't have any idea of the great work that this organization is doing on behalf of patients and physicians. And that clearly became job num- number one for me is to make sure uh, that they do understand that because there is incredible work going on here on so many different fronts that has so much impact uh, on people in this country. When I talk with marketers from, say, technology companies, they oftentimes say the same thing, except for the, the very largest brand names. They say, you know, we're doing great things 
but people don't know about us. And so how do you how do you get the word out? How do you get people to know about you? Because it sounds like you've done a really good job at the AMA. Yeah, people are, you know, they're very busy and they're all watching, you know, binge watching on Netflix. And so, you know, how do you get attention? And I, I have learned in kind of my in prior roles that, you know, if you have something, especially something that's even remotely complicated or there's a lot under it, you, it takes time to build that. And you're, you know, you're not always going to get to spend 20 minutes with somebody uh, at a time to do that. In fact, you know, that's not very scalable. And so you have to kind of look at, you know, how do I, over the course of time, accumulate uh, that 20 minutes or whatever it's going to take to be able to explain what my value proposition is and support it in a way that uh, will kind of turn people around if, they're, you know, if they've been negative before or move them from someone that's like open to it in a kind of a positive zone. Uh, that requires operating across you know, any number of different platforms, but recognizing that just because you do the work or just because you write an article or, or you know, put together a piece of content doesn't mean that people are going to see it. And so you know, whether it's uh, posting you know, on our site, uh, then you know, amplifying that through social channels, through media, uh, through our members, through our ambassadors. There's so many different ways that we've expanded how our audience can actually interact with those messages. What about the building awareness aspect? Because as you said, uh, just because you put a piece of content out there doesn't mean that people will see it or care about it and therefore interact with it in some way. Yeah, I mean, it really does come down to marketing. Um, uh, we have found uh, for ourselves that content is an incredibly effective way of expanding uh, the reach and impact of our mission objectives. And so if we're doing work in physician burnout, uh, work that we believe has led to, you know, the first decrease in physician burnout that we've seen in several years. You know, it's imperative that we reach more people uh, with a message that, you know, it's not your fault. You don't need to go do yoga. Uh, and even though taking care of yourself is fundamentally important, you know, it's system level problems that are causing uh, issues uh, with physician burnout. And we've got a set of tools and resources to help uh, physicians figure out how to fix those system level process, uh, prop, plop, excuse me, problems. So, you know, for us, it's like, how do I, you know, my job is to get uh, all of this content and information that our subject matter experts here produce into the hands of the people uh, that need them in whatever practice environment they're working in. Uh, and that's good old fashioned marketing, uh, of which digital marketing is just a subset. So again, it comes down to before you start creating a lot of content. You've, you've got to really understand who are you talking to, what do they care about, and what's the value proposition that you're bringing to the table? Yeah, it's really important because I think there, you know, you may have the assumption, for instance, that uh, all physicians, uh, you know, care about a topic like physician burnout or practice innovation, or that they all care about advocacy and certain issues within that, but it's not necessarily true. And so when we create content, uh, we keep these uh, target segments in mind, and when we, uh, you know, put marketing power behind them, we're going to talk to people, whether it's uh, on a social platform or through email, that care about those topics. The notion of change and transformation must have been pretty significant because the AMA is is and has been around for a long time. It's a very it's a well established organization, and then you come in and you're saying, well, we're going to bring this marketing bent to it, so. 
What about the culture shift necessary inside the AMA to accept these changes? It's uh, you know, 170 years old and just getting started. Uh, I, I, I love the excitement uh, at this organization about embracing change and having an impact. And that's what it's all about here. So I, 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 you know, I frankly was, uh, I'm th thrilled with how much we've been able to achieve in a two-year period. And that comes you know, from the top here uh, and from our board uh, who made it an imperative that we embrace you know, uh, the modern you know, set of marketing tools and engagement tools to further the initiatives of this organization. Uh, so a lot of what I've done over the past couple of years is, you know, introducing new language, the language of digital marketing, uh, you know, that terminology, you know, not necessarily uh, familiar to folks, the metrics uh, that are associated with that, you know, how many people are coming to the site, how often, what are they doing, what's a marketing funnel look like, uh, how do we leverage uh, social platforms, uh, which maybe, you know, a couple years ago, People didn't believe that we would be able to interact effectively with physicians, students, residents through those platforms. It turns out that's not true. Uh, it's been an incredible place for us to tell our story and interact with uh, our members and prospects. Uh, so that, uh, uh, I would say, has all been supported by data-driven experimentation. And uh, the thing that's most thrilling to me is, uh, you know, you work in an organization uh, with a lot of physicians, uh, they're driven by data and evidence. And so I'm well suited toward an evidence-based situation like this, uh, where we can do an experiment and I can show that, you know, 30% more people uh, will do this if we try it this way. You know, I don't, uh, I've been so humbled by digital marketing over the past, you know, 15 years that I love ideas. I love testing ideas and putting things side by side and showing people you really can make a difference when you try things. Uh, and this organization, I'd say culturally, uh, has been changed by that uh, because they can see the evidence base uh, that happens when you, uh, when you test. And then you just put those best practices into place and you just keep improving. So it's been pretty exciting. Although there is this impression, I think, that people have of physicians as being resistant to change. And so how did you get physicians to interact with you and embrace and accept these new ways of doing things? The way to do that is to meet them where they are and to really understand uh, them uh, as an audience and what they're really interested in. And, you know, instead of kind of operating from our own set of initiatives and what we think, it's really understanding what they think and want to know more from us. I also have the benefit of, uh, you know, part of the American Medical Association is the Journal of the American Medical Association, and they are, uh, you know, they are a medical publishing uh, powerhouse, uh, first-rate uh, 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 publishing organization that, you know, inherently about speeding research into practice. And so, when I look for role models or have role models for this organization. Uh, there's a very clear set of folks and uh, an operation to, to, to show the way. We have a question from Twitter, and it re again, it relates to physicians and who are your audience and your constituency. So what is the value that physicians gain from the AMA, and how does that manifest, and, and what's the, what are the implications of that 
for the digital expression? Well, it's interesting because uh, I just I was having a conversation with uh, somebody about you know what do you get for your membership, and I think that's a very you know typical way that people uh, approach it. Uh, but the fundamental thing is you know you can offer tangible benefits, which we do. So for us, you know, you do get a subscription to the Journal of the American Medical Association. You do get access to uh, some very uh, good pricing on uh, insurance, uh, life and disability, things that really matter. You do uh, get to participate in changing uh, the direction of healthcare if you want to participate in our policy-making activities. And then there's a wide array of other types of savings and uh, tangible benefits that you get. But fundamentally, people are going to join an organization like the AMA because they believe that we are a powerful ally to physicians and the thing that they care the most about, which is patient care. And really getting to the core of what that message is and then how that gets communicated and supported depending on what uh, you're interested in specifically as a physician, that's the foundation of why people join an organization like this. What about the customer experience aspect? We've been talking about digital transformation, but your title is chief experience officer. And so where's the, the connection there? Well, there are a lot of different uh, realms that that applies to. I think one of the most uh, interesting things as we think about experience with this organization, um, there is you know, a, uh, you know, let's say a core group of folks who are deeply involved, for instance, in our, in our policy-making activities and are, are the people that will travel here to Chicago in June or to another location in the fall uh, for our kind of annual and interim meetings. And so they're deeply involved and they have a set of experiences that extend throughout the rest of the year. Now, for a lot of other people, uh, their experience is, is not that kind of, doesn't have that personal touch. And, you know, I would say... Uh, for many of them, they would you know, get their initial invoice in, in the fall and then uh, you know, please renew in the, in the following year. And that uh, in between time, you know, maybe they came in contact with something we'd written. Maybe they saw a press release that we put out. Maybe they would have seen an article that would have run in a, you know, in a newspaper uh, that talked about what we're up to. But we really needed to take back uh, that control of the experience uh, determine what that was, and then market it to them. And so for me, we're in the process of using digital platforms to create that experience uh, for physicians so that we're engaging with them on the topics they care the most about, where we can deliver the most value, most value to them, and, and all of the mission work that we're doing to get it in the right hands of people uh, centrally and not leave that to a passive experience. Now, then there are the, uh, there's the infrastructure that underlies that. And I would say, you know, our digital experience, which is where people, you know, where we're meeting people, whether it's on our site, through social platforms, that's something we've supercharged uh, and that provides uh, to facilitates that experience. And we have another follow up question from Twitter. So if the value is helping improve patient care, then how do you do that? And again, link it to this notion of digital transformation and the customer experience that you're providing to your members. So if I go back to kind of where we started, um, there are different ways that we uh, are a powerful ally in patient care. 
Uh, one of that is through our advocacy initiatives and speaking uh, for physicians with a unified voice to all the players that matter in healthcare. Uh, and that could be the government, that can be pharmaceutical companies, technology companies, you name it. There are a lot of players in healthcare and doctors' voices need to be represented uh, so that we don't end up in situations where physicians are working for the technology and not vice versa in service of patient care. So that's one uh, area. Uh, the second area is there are you know, very clear things that get in the way of physicians uh, delivering care to their patients. I mean, right now, uh, you know, study that we did uh, basically determined that for every hour of patient care, uh, you know, face-to-face, -face, physicians are spending two hours behind a computer screen, entering in notes uh, and other stuff into the electronic health records, including a couple hours at night. Uh, and that's not what we want to be doing right now. Uh, you know, physicians are spending time uh, getting authorization from insurance company for the treatment that they want uh, to, to their, their patients to have. And then you know, maybe they go to get a prescription and they can't afford it because the, pr the price of prescription drugs is so high. We're working on those problems to make sure they go away and so that we can facilitate the patient care uh, that needs to be put in place. Uh, the third thing is on, you know, you're well aware of the many public health crises we have. We focus on uh, particularly three of those right now. One is uh, on dealing with hypertension. Uh, a second is with prediabetes, uh, where there is you know, just an incredible problem, as you know, uh, right now with uh, the number of population, about 80 million that are prediabetic uh, and don't uh, even know about that. Uh, and then the third is the opioid epidemic, which is obviously consuming uh, vast amounts of our healthcare resources and treating and we're facilitating ways to, to make that situation better and hopefully put an end uh, to the opioid epidemic. And I'd say the final way that we do that is through uh, something that I don't think a lot of people know about, which is driving the future of medicine. Uh, so we are facilitating the changes uh, that are happening in medicine right now. I talked about remote patient monitoring before, but you know, telemedicine is something that's increasing uh, in usage and all of the infrastructure that underlies that needs to get put into place and to make sure that doctors have what they need to be able to do that. Uh, and uh, uh, and uh, from a technology payment standpoint, all of that kinds of uh, stuff. Uh, the other thing, and this is affecting, of course, every uh, aspect uh, of uh, business out there is data. And one of the key things about data right now in healthcare is it's not necessarily hooked up in a way that uh, can connect uh, you know, the inputs uh, when a patient comes in the door and the outcomes. And there are different systems that underlie the data input and the portability of that. You know, we are putting in place an infrastructure and what we would call an innovation ecosystem uh, to facilitate the flow of that data uh, so that it can uh, actually deliver better patient care in the end. As you develop better member experience and you're bringing members in, uh, how does that help in terms of your advocacy function and in terms of building a cohesive group or a co cohesive block of physicians that adds weight and influence to your advocacy function? Yeah, I think part of you know how we... Uh, view ourselves on my team, and I think it's a little bit of a different paradigm than before, is we're 
essentially lead generators for uh, the folks that are on our advocacy and our mission uh, parts of the organization. So, you know, I see my, my role as getting someone to kind of raise their hand and say, I'm really interested in advocacy initiatives and of this kind of variety. Um, you know, that may be a person that just wants to read, read the newsletter. And so I can give them an our ac, uh, advocacy update newsletter. It may be a person that wants to write their congressperson and say, you know, this is what I care about. It may be a person that wants to get trained uh, and go to Capitol Hill and visit lawmakers. Uh, so we, you know, have created kind of a, a you know, a, a pipeline, for lack of better words, a spectrum of ways that you can engage on the advocacy front. You know, we have a quarter of a million members right now, but we represent all physicians, whether they're members or not. And I think people understand that. Can you give us the kind of playbook for drawing people in? And you mentioned that part of your job is lead gen for the advocacy function inside the AMA. And so for people listening, how do you do that and do that really well in today's environment? And, and what are the challenges that you faced doing that? You know, it kind of goes back to the, you know, old marketing, which is like start with your target audience. And I think once we had a better understanding of what our audience segments were uh, and that you could communicate uh, with different segments uh, uh, in a more personal, personalized fashion uh, that we didn't need to treat uh, our audience of physicians, students, residents as a one-size-fit-all group, uh, that you could have conversations that people care intensely about and build the relationship that way as opposed to being kind of uh, more generic. So for me, it's, you know, it's good old-fashioned listening and consumer focus. Uh, it's reorienting around audience uh, instead of initiative and product and really you know, following that audience where they are and what they want to talk about. So you know, we did like the, the ground level work here of once we determined what those audience segments were and then going in and like taking a look at what, you know, what are the key search terms in the area? How do we stack up on that? What kind of content are we building? Uh, in those arenas, and why has it or not worked? Um, for us, it, began, it became uh, uh, an issue of kind of testing that hypothesis. And so I'd say one of the, like, the breakthroughs we had was you know, translating all of the work that we do, for instance, in an area like physician burnout into you know, more topical uh, uh, content that can reach people and bring folks in. And so let's say that uh, you know, an article we might have written about physician burnout a few years ago would bring in a few thousand people at a time. We found a way basically uh, by optimizing what we were writing through the headline, through the kind of content, and of course rebuilding the site infrastructure to be SEO friendly, uh, that we could uh, multiply that audience uh, to the tune of you know, uh, 300x. <laughs> so, it's a lot more people uh, that get exposure to that, and that's through a combination of you know, organic traffic and then observing when something's getting tra uh, traction that you can then uh, begin to invest in supporting that through your content marketing efforts. So again, it's back to you know, ground level, consumer marketing, digital marketing, uh, foundational elements uh, that meet consumer needs and then employing best practices to reach people. How much of that draws on uh, SEO techniques 
versus changing the type of content that you developed in response to learning about your members? It's heavily in both arenas. I'd say we were definitely, uh, you know, definitely had an obstacle at an infrastructure level with the site because it wasn't built uh, to be optimized for SEO. We hadn't done the proper things that I think a lot of, you know, uh, publishing organizations have done in terms of uh, building in that, uh, that infrastructure. Uh, but that's not enough to do it. I mean, we uh, could have a perfect uh, uh, infrastructure situation and just not reach people. And that is just uh, plain and simple going and finding out, you know, what, you know, matching up the categories we're looking for or that we build content with what people are looking for. And so, you know, it's pretty straightforward to go out and look. How many people are looking at articles around physician burnout? How many people are looking for articles around uh, pre-diabetes? Uh, what are the specific topics in those areas that uh, they are, they're, they're, they're looking for? I mean, half your traffic should at least come from uh, organic search. And so for us, it became how do we you know, match uh, the kind of demonstrated consumer interests out there with content that was worthy uh, of being clicked on. And so a lot of our uh, articles that you would read right now are, I'd say, you know, uh, un would be unrecognizable maybe to what we had written a few years ago and certainly in the league of any leading digital publisher. Can you give us just an example of, say, a piece of content that you've done now that does well versus the kind of content you did in the past? Yeah, I mean, I think the burnout article that I mentioned before, uh, you know, we did an article called uh, Physician Burnout. It's not you, it's your specialty. Uh, and this is a great, you know, had a listicle at the, at the center of it where you could take a look at what the top burnout rates were by, by specialty. Uh, it had a great headline, uh, really well written, every keyword, uh, you know, hit uh, possible. And that article immediately took off. Now, we did the same article two years ago uh, uh, in a very different way, of course. And what we saw was, you know, even though that was kind of one of the, you know, had been up to the point one of the leading articles we ever do had done, uh, that the traffic to the, the new way of doing things was 100 times more. So, you know, that, that shows you a direct comparison of when you apply, you know, first-rate digital publishing techniques around topics that people really care about. You can see, you know, the needle move. As somebody who develops lots of content, of course, this topic is of real interest to me. And so can you tell us what was, what was the old article like compared to the description you just described of the, the new one? That most of the stuff that we had written before, I'll call it more promoting objectives of our different kind of uh, divisions and mission organizations without thinking through, you know, how can I make this article really interesting, stand out, and be something that someone would click on? So as you know from being a content creator, there's the art and science of that. There's the science that underlies it around keyword, uh, keywords and tagging. Uh, there's the art of good writing. Uh, which brings an idea to life in a way that in this world where it is so hard to get someone, you know, pry someone away from Netflix, what is going to make you click on that? And then once you have that in place, how am I going to reach people with that? Uh, in the past, that article would have just been posted. It might have gone out in our newsletter. 
Uh, but right now what we see is when we have something like that that begins to get traction is that we can then use uh, basically employ content marketing to actually invest in reaching more people uh, with that content, uh, primarily through social platforms. We have another question from Twitter. Uh, what are the kind of operational changes that you made at the AMA to deliver better member experience? I think we were talking about one specific type, but in general, what kind of operational changes have you made? Well, I think one of the most interesting and key changes that we made here uh, was establishing a digital publishing team. And I know that uh, that might seem like a strange, uh, kind of strange concept, but for you know, uh, an association, it's not you know, first nature to have that. The resources were there. So there are, it was a content team that was you know, part of marketing. There was a UX uh, small group of folks in another place. The analytics person was in IT. Uh, and then there was a direct marketing function that was separate from that. And you know, I came from a publishing background. And so immediately, you know, if you can ask the question, how many people are coming to our site? And we're not quite sure what that answer is. You can see like we're not going to get traction until we act like a digital publishing team with a set of metrics and in that kind of operation that powers a digital publishing team. And so one of the things I thought was so amazing was, you know, once that was recognized and a proposal got put in place, different folks around this organization said, that makes sense. Let's, let's put that together. And so we created that initial digital publishing team, and then we have invested in building that out. So it now looks, acts, runs like uh, any first-rate digital publishing group that you name. How did you get the buy-in to make that investment? Thankfully, I have a great deal of support here uh, and you know, people who understand that we need to make changes to communicate with people uh, in the ways that uh, uh, the, the times demand. So I think you know, once I could kind of build a case here uh, for, hey, this is how it's operating right now, uh, there isn't the connection that we need between somebody that comes in on a certain topic uh, and membership or engagement with our mission-related content, like we're leaving a lot on the table from that an engagement standpoint. And so I could prove that through analytics uh, and show uh, through continued testing just how much better it could be. And again, back to working uh, in healthcare and with the set of folks uh, here at the AMA who are very motivated by progress and evidence uh, you know, that, uh, that is what led the way. We have another question from Twitter. And Gus Beckdash asks, when you're driving these kind of changes, do you start from the top down with the big picture? Or do you start with small changes and then build up over time? How did you do it? I hope it's not unfair to say both. Um, I'd say the most, you know, in, one of the most influential things was that focus on small wins uh, and about removing obstacles here that were really frustrating people in terms of the member experience. And but I'll give you a great example. Before I came, uh, there had been kind of an analysis of like what it took to get a marketing email out. Uh, and it was taking a really, really long time. And I, uh, I'm used to, you know, in my past to be able to have something, if it needs to go out, it can go out in two hours. And so I took a look at what that, uh, why that was happening uh, and you could just see organizationally that 
Uh, those kind of traditional digital publishing and digital marketing roles hadn't been well established, and there were just too many people involved, and not necessarily people with the right expertise at writing emails uh, and sending them out, targeting, doing all that stuff. So part of that was organizational and just saying, you know, I had the ability and the authority to come in and say, you know what, we're not going to do it that way anymore. And that cut the time to get something out by about two-thirds, and now we're down to you know, a few hours if we need it. But then kind of looking at the templates, uh, how was the writing done? I mean, I love rolling up my sleeves and working with someone and uh, showing them how we can do better and putting that in a test. And all of a sudden, we start to accumulate all of this evidence around small wins about open rates and click-through rates and member conversion uh, through that one little thing. Uh, so that creates a great deal of momentum and sets people off on an innovation path. On the, on the other end, in the big picture uh, part of this, you know, I look for stories out there that are maybe even unrelated uh, to tell people the story of how things can get done. And I used a very funny example, which I won't go in drastic detail from my own personal experience uh, uh, to show how like an individual out there has built uh, uh, you know, a YouTube channel, a social following, video, instructional materials, downloads, all of this kind of stuff. Uh, and this is like an individual person. I use that as a case study to show here's how digital marketing works today. Here's what it means to say SEO. Here's what content marketing looks like. Here's what a premium piece of content is and why that's gated and why you need to collect an email address. And then what do you do with that after? So I think those real world examples, whether or not they're from healthcare or not, have been really effective in kind of bringing that story to life. Any final thoughts or words of advice to other people listening saying, yeah, we need to also make that kind of change and how do we start and what do we do? My experience here, uh, I think there's a common you know, approach that I've seen time and time again that always starts with your audience and really understanding and making sure that you have uh, what I would consider a very actionable uh, segmentation in place that uh, uh, is fundamentally uh, uh, tied to your growth metrics. Uh, and if you don't have that, I wouldn't do anything until I had that in place. And then and only then, you're really looking at how do I develop and communicate a value proposition that matters to people in this day and age? And then comes uh, the digital marketing and the digital transformation uh, pieces of that. Uh, and again, I don't call them digital transformation pieces. I just say, we need to get this job done. I'm trying to move you know, this particular metric from here to here. Here's the way that I think I can do it. Here's the evidence I built along the way to try to show people how it can work. Uh, without making a billion dollar investment. Uh, and on that note, I guess I would close and just say one of the things that I've really grown to appreciate here is, uh, and, and something that I, uh, has always been part of my career is being super scrappy uh, and you know, taking uh, a lot of, uh, making a lot of moves that are very low risk, that enable the data and show people how it can be done uh, without you know, being, being a scary and transformational leap. We have been Speaking with Todd Unger, he's the Chief Experience Officer at the American Medical Association. Todd, thank you very much for taking your time today with us. It's been great. Thanks for having me. Everybody, 
Be sure to subscribe on YouTube and subscribe to our newsletter. We have great shows coming up. Check out CXOTalk.com and we'll see you again next time. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye.